I want you to look in chapter 41 of Isaiah and looking at verse number 10. I'd like for us to think about facing a new year. Often we hear people say to us at this time of the year, Happy New Year. Have a wonderful new year. May you have a good and a prosperous new year. Well, I think in this passage of the scripture, we are encouraged by our Lord and told how indeed we can have one of the best years that we have ever had or experienced in our lifetime. The promise of God is sure, it is reliable, it is unfailing. And here's the verse that I hope you'll choose to be a part of your life every day of this coming year of 1997. The words simply say this, verse 10, fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. It is in the very goodness of God that we stand today on the threshold of another year. This old year of 1996 has almost rolled away into eternity. It is almost gone from us, only lacking but yet another day or so. And yet I think you as I, as I look back over this year of 1996, there are many things perhaps that I would like to change. Maybe there are words that you and I have spoken that we wish could be unsaid. Perhaps there are acts that we have committed that we wish somehow we could go back and undo. But it is well past the hour for unsaying and undoing. What we have today is but this day and the days of the future that God in his grace will grant to us and permit us to enjoy and to to have. Yet the beginning of another year is here and with it in this passage of God's word we have with us an assurance that can carry us through in spite of the failures of last year, in spite of the uncertainty of the coming year, we have the assurance and the promise of God that he will be with us, that he will help us, that he will uphold us by the right hand of his righteousness. Our God then has promised to be with us. He has promised that victories can be ours where maybe last year and this year we have experienced defeats. He has promised that we can be strong in this coming year where we have been weak. He has promised us in this little gem of truth of verse number 10 that where we were fearful last year, we can have courage and be filled with hope. And even so, we can realize that though there were sinful deeds and acts of disobedience to God this past year, God has assured us that he can give us a holy life an honorable life, a life that is pleasing to him. No, not in our own strength, not in ourselves, not in our efforts, not in our ingenuity, 
but in and by the help of the God who said, I will be with you. Now, today, we stand at the very threshold of that new year. We stand on the shore and on the dock side of 1996. But when the clock strikes 12 on this coming Tuesday night, we will be boarding the HMS 1997, His Majesty's ship, the majestic one of heaven, not the King of England. But rather, we'll be boarding a ship that we will launch out into uncharted and uncertain seas. But two things we can carry with us as we launch out into this new year. Two things will be our companion. First of all, the uncertainty of our path and our plight. Those things are uncertain. We do not know the path of tomorrow. We do not know our plight nor the things that will befall us in this coming year. So we go along into this new year with the uncertainty of our path and our plight. But another thing we carry with us is the certainty of his presence and his power and his plan for our life. How secure my soul feels today as I think of another year when I realize that God himself has promised to be with me, that he has promised to provide everything that I'll ever need according to his riches and glory, and to realize that he has the plan and the map drawn out for my life, and it is but mine to follow in simple childlike obedience and faith. Sometimes when we launch out into the uncertain areas of life, like a new year or a new day, a week or a month, certainly there are times when we wish somehow that God would show us, that he'd just show us what's going to happen tomorrow. What will this year hold for me? What will I be doing? And in that thought, I'm reminded of the words of M.I. Haskins, whom King King. George or, or King James the sixth, I think, made famous. You'll recall those lines. And the lines were these. And I said to the man who stood at the gate of the year, give me a light that I may tread safely into the unknown. And he replied, go out into the darkness and put your hand into the hand of God. That shall be to you better than light and safer than a known way. To put your hand in God's hand. That's the secret of a happy new year. To know that whatever befalls, he is with you. He's there holding your hand. He stands by your side. Far greater than a father and mother's knowledge of a child is God's knowledge of us. He knows our nature. He knows our, our tendencies. He knows as well what we need and knowing that, he makes preparation for us. That fact is seen in the very creation of this world. Before God created man and put him on this earth, do you realize that he had already provided for man everything that he had ever needed after he placed him on this planet? 
He had provided the green shrubs and the fruit of the trees and the green grass and the water to drink and the pure air to breathe and the sunshine to warm him and the night to clothe him as a blanket when he went to sleep. God knew the need of the first man. And folks, listen to me. He knows what you'll need tomorrow. And he's one step ahead of you. He's already made preparation. He'll know the grace that you need in the trying hour. And that grace, though you do not feel right now, you'll sense it when that moment comes. Though you feel like you need great patience now, God will give the patience you need and the spirit of endurance when the moment comes. And so our Lord, as we look at HMF 1997, Our Lord gives us four consoling and comforting things in this verse as he wishes for us a bon voyage. The Lord wants you to have a good voyage as you sail out on the sea of 1997. I'm glad of what David reveals and that is he said for this I know God is for me. He's for you. And he wants you to experience the joys of a good and a blessed and a prosperous year. Prosperous by his definition of that term. Four things, let me share them with you from the verse. First of all, I want you to notice his proclamation in this verse. Notice in verse number 10, the proclamation is this. Fear thou not. For I am with thee, be not dismayed, for I am thy God. Now, if you are going to have a good voyage on that ship of life this coming year, there are two things that we must heed. Two negative commands are given here. And the Lord's prerogative is to give commands, for he is the sovereign. And he gives these two commands. Notice what they are. The two commands, though negative in in their nature, simply says, fear not, be not dismayed. Now, with these, these commands, we are reminded of what our Lord Jesus said, even to us, as referred to us as the sheep of his pasture. In Luke's gospel, chapter 12, and verse number 32, listen to what he says. Jesus said, fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Don't be afraid, little sheep, he says. You see, he knows as the good shepherd that our very inherent weakness is the weakness of fear. We fear. A sheep has no means of defense When something, when the wolf or the lion is heard, its very emotion is fear. It has no defense like a lion or a bear. And the Lord likens us to sheep. Yet he is saying to us who have no defense of our own, he's saying, fear not, little flock. I think he is simply saying this, don't be afraid, little flock, for the shepherd's there one far greater than a David who could slay a lion, far greater than a David who could slay a Goliath. 
God is saying, I am your shepherd and I'm going to watch over you and I'm going to take care of you. Though you're defenseless on your own, I'll be there, I'll take care of you. What the Lord wants is simply this. He wants faith to supplant fear. He wants faith to supplant fear. The two are literally incompatible. Faith and fear are literally not compatible. They don't go together. They're like two pieces of a puzzle that do not fit. They do not fit. Fear, rather, is like sand in the machinery. Faith is like oil. It makes the machinery of life turn smoothly and quietly and beautifully and productively. But fear, sand in the machinery. And it, and it bogs us down and wears and tears away. How many a life this year has been worn to almost nothing by reason of fear. And most of our fears have been imaginary. The greater percent of the things that we fear never come to pass. And yet that very fear is like sand in the cogs of a machine that literally are tearing it all to pieces. No individual could enjoy nor have a happy new year that's shrouded with fear. If you, some of our people here, have taken those cruises down in the Gulf and elsewhere, and they provide on those cruises everything to give you an enjoyable trip. The only thing that's not enjoyable, I'm sure, is that you eat too much. And yet again, you're not going to enjoy that cruise. I don't care what island, I don't care how much food, if you're, uh, you are possessed of fear. Can you imagine being on a vessel like that and constantly walking up and down the deck and saying, I'm afraid the ship's going to sink? I'm afraid we're going to run out of fuel. I'm afraid a storm. Man, you might as well save your money and stay home. And yet many an individual goes through life with the same emotion. Oh, I'm afraid this is going to happen. And what if that takes place? And what am I going to do here? It is a constant shroud of fear that hangs over the life of men and women. And yet the Lord wants to supplant that fear with faith. With faith. You see, fear is defined as dread, things that you dread. It is defined as terror. It is the emotional or the intellectual anticipation of harm that may come to you. And many people cannot reason intellectually what harm it is, but emotionally, they're just possessed. They're possessed with fear. Something harmful is going to happen. Something terrible is going to happen. The fear, that is, of things going wrong in life. Why can't we learn that we have an omnipotent God who knows everything, who's thought far ahead of you and your experiences and made preparation for that? Why can't we learn to trust him? We laugh at the disciples, tossed to and fro in their boat, storm at sea, and we laugh at them as they were so fearful of death and losing their life. 
And they awoke Jesus and said, Don't you care? And Jesus said, Oh, ye of little faith. You know what he's saying? Here's the prescription. If you just believe me, just know that you're in my hand. Know that I'm going to take care. Oh, how pleasant and joyful a cruise on the sea of 1997 could be. Now, this word fear is used in the Bible, would you believe it, over 500 times. Wonder why. Even you recall at our Christmas time, we're reminded of the words of the angels who said to the shepherds, fear not, fear not. Remember when Jesus came walking on the water and they thought he was but a an apparition, a ghost, a a spirit of some kind, and they were afraid. And Jesus said, fear not, for it is I. Don't be afraid. Oh, what an enemy is this thing called fear that robs us, burglarizes the, the tranquility of our heart, steals from us the joy of life. Oh, when faith, faith trusts in what God is and what he said, can alleviate that fear. Now fear, though used some 500 times, the Bible is used in a twofold way. It is used as, I'm sure, is this this instance, it is used speaking of a dread, a terror, a fear, anticipation of harm. But there is a use of the word fear in the Bible that is far different than that. That word fear is often used in reference to God. Fear God and keep his commandments. That term fear simply suggests an awe, a reverence, a respect. We bow before him out of fear, not dread, terror, harm, uh, but out of reverence to him, knowing who he is. An ancient servant of God, Thomas Akempis said, fear God and thou shalt not shrink from the terrors or the fear of men. He who fears God most fears man the least. The man who has a reverence for God, a respect for his word, a faith in who God is and what God says. David the psalmist said it like this in Psalm 25 and verse number, uh, verse number 14. And he said, the secret of the Lord is with them that fear him. Again, the psalmist said in Psalm 128 and verse 1, Blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord. Do you know what the word blessed simply means in our language? Happy. Happy is the man who fears the Lord. He has a joy about him. Why? He has respect for God and his word. He knows God will do what he says, that he will keep his promise, that he will not and cannot fail. Now, oftentimes I hear people say this, well, preacher, I know what God says and I know what he tells me to do and I know the commandment that says thou shalt not do thus and so, but I've tried and failed. So what am I going to do now? Remember this in the proclamation God has given in the first part of this verse, fear not, be not dismayed. Those are commands. But remember this, 
that one of the blessed things about God is that he graciously supplies what he commands. What he commands, he supplies. St. Augustine, the famous church father, prayed, Give what thou commandest, then command what thou wilt. Give what you command. Give and provide the means to keep and to do what you tell me to do and then make all the commands you want. That's exactly what our Lord is saying here. Don't be afraid. I know you're fearful by nature. I know you're often brought to a place of paralyzing fear and that's the meaning of this word dismayed. But he's saying, listen, listen, I have commanded you not to, but I'll give you that ability to do and to be all that I have commanded. Thank God for that. Now this dismay, as I said, is a word that implies a paralyzing kind of fear. It's a stronger word than just fear itself. Where he says, look back at the verse, fear thou not. And then he says, be not dismayed. The word dismay, though it speaks of fear, a stronger word here, for it talks about a paralyzing fear. That was the kind of fear that Israel experienced when they came over to Kadesh Barnea and they could have crossed over into the promised land. But when the spies went over, they found that the men were giants and they felt like they were grasshoppers in their sight. And they were paralyzed because of a lack of faith. Caleb and Joshua, men of faith, said, Hey, don't be afraid of that bunch. God has given us the land. Let's believe him. Let's trust him. Let's go into the land. But no, all Israel was paralyzed. I wonder how often we have been dismayed or paralyzed with fear when it even comes to telling somebody about Jesus, witnessing for Christ, most of us do not do so because we're afraid. We fear what somebody's going to say about us. We're afraid of the reaction of that individual. So many golden treasures are left behind in this year because we became dismayed. It was that very kind of paralyzing fear that caused Saul and the army of Israel to cringe before the cursings of a Goliath. But it was faith, so simple, in a young teenage boy that caused him to courageously walk out in front of that giant and slay him. Why? Because he, as as he said, trusted in the Lord God of Israel. And so it was that Peter denied our Lord because of a paralyzing fear. He was afraid of what they'd say or what they might do to him and therefore he denied his blessed Lord. So the first truth of this verse which gives a consolation, a courage and a comfort is the fact of his proclamation. Now you who are still awake, let me share with you a second thought. Watch this. Not only a proclamation, But a second thing that is mentioned here is the fact of his presence. His presence. Notice that he says this. For the two knots, fear not, be not dismayed. There are two I am's. See it in the verse? 
For the two knots, there are two I am's. Fear not, he says. Here's the counterpart. For I am with thee. You remember what I said? What God orders, the blessed thing about God is, when he gives a command, he makes a provision for the keeping of that command. And that's exactly what he's saying. Fear, thou, fear not. For, here's the reason, I'm with you. Now who could be afraid when the God of creation stands by his side? Who could fear? When I was a young lad in school, I used to, we had, of course, as every school does, had some big old bullies. Boys in the fifth grade had already started shaving. And they were big fellows. And I mean, they could threaten you and I mean, scare the pants off of you. And uh, I used to be afraid to get around. But I'll tell you something. When my big brother was with me when we went to school, you think I was afraid? Man, not on your life. I didn't look down, look away, look out. Listen, I looked straight ahead. I didn't even speak to the big bully boys. Why? My big brother was there. And the Lord is saying, don't be afraid, for he's saying that I am with you. Well, you say, I don't see it. I don't feel it. Well, whether you see or feel or not, I want you to know God said, I'm with you. He's not a God who lies. He's with you when there is no sense of his presence. He simply said, I'm with you. Now watch this. That word I am is familiar to our God, isn't it? That I am means an ever-present presence. An ever-present presence. Notice he's saying, I am. I am with you. The Lord, fear not, for I am. Am with thee. He didn't say I'm going to be with you, did he? He said I'm with you. He said it's not something out in the future, and it's not something of the past that you can look back to and say, "Boy, back there at such and such an eight in 1996, man, God was with me." I'm here to tell you, He's with you now, right now. He said, "I'm with you. Don't be afraid." So as we begin this trip through another year, uh, there are many friends who will are with us now that won't be with us at the end of the year. As day follows day and week follows week and month follows month, hour follows hour, there will be those who will drop out. Either in death or in some disappointing move in life, they'll leave, they'll depart, they'll go away. But I'm here to tell you our Lord Jesus will never let go of your hand. Even in spite of the fact that you fail, in spite of the fact that you blow it, in spite of the fact that you mess up, he said, I'll be with you, so don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. So, as the scripture tells us, he's a very present help in time of trouble. I like that word, very present. You know what it implies? It implies a speedy coming to, a very present. He's saying, hey, no, not I'll be with you next week, but very present, right now, right now, I'll be with you. He'll preserve us indeed from the tormenting fears 
that life may bring. The billows of grief may dash upon the old bark, but the Lord said, listen, I'll be with you. And knowing that he is with you, you can smile at the storms of life. You can rest for you know he's there. Yet there's a third thing, and let me give this to you who are yet awake. A third thing, not only the proclamation of our Lord, not only his presence, but there's a third consolation, and that is his power. Notice he said, be not dismayed, for I am thy God. The very infinite resources of an almighty God are at your disposal and mine. The resource, can you imagine that? All of the resources of God. I'm not talking about the resources of a Rockefeller or a, a, a laboratory full of scientists. I'm talking about the infinite resources of God. And whatever you will ever need in this coming year, I'll guarantee you God's cupboard will not be bare when you go to it. He has promised. He says, notice, I am thy God. I read that. You know how I saw it? I saw him saying, I am the God of Walter Burrow. I'm your God. Not just the God of Jacob. Now the God of Isaac. He's my God. And you can say it, the God of Tom, of Frank, of Ed, of Bill, of whoever. He is my God. He is my God. What a God he is. He's the God who created a universe out of nothing. Think of it. The God who took a lump of clay and breathed his breath into it and became a human being. A man with life. The very God who could conceive a child in the womb of a virgin, a woman who had never known man. Yet, one who said, I am, I am, I am thy God. Let me give this to you and I've got a call. The name, the primary name of deity, of God, is God. And that word is made up of two words, actually. It's made up of the word, Hebrew word El, spelled in English El. And it simply means the strong one, the strong one. But the last part of that comes from the word Allah, or Elah, as some would pronounce. And the word means to bind oneself by an oath. So the word God, the name God means, the strong one who binds himself with an oath. You know what his promise and his oath was? Fear not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. As needs then arise, he's saying, I'll meet them. As enemies appear, he's saying, I'll conquer them. And as clouds gather in life, he will dispel them. I am thy God. Finally, and I'll close, a fourth truth. I hope you'll get this one. If you miss the first three, get this one. A fourth consolation and comfort is his provision. Notice what he says. He said in this verse, I will strengthen thee. I will help thee. I will uphold thee. 
Notice the verse then contains three I wills. First, there is the I will of strength. I will strengthen thee. How weak we know we are. And how often we cry, oh God, I'm so weak. Give me strength, oh God. And now, notice this God, the strong one, the one who is able to fulfill, the one who is able to keep his word, has bound himself by an oath, and he's saying, I will strengthen thee. I'll hear your prayer. Paul taught us that when a man's weak, that's when he's strong. He said, the Lord's strength is my strength is made perfect in weakness. I like what a fellow prayed not long ago. In his prayer, he said, Lord, we'll furnish the weakness if you'll furnish the strength. And that's what he promised to do. Are you weak? Are you heavy laden? Are there sins, trends, tendencies in your life that you can't handle? The Lord said, listen, I'll strengthen you. I wish I had a time to discuss with you Psalm 27, verse 1 through 6, but make a note of it. Read that when you get home. The promise of the strengthening of God. Psalm 27, 1 through 6. And then notice this. There is the I will of sympathy. He says, Yea, I will help thee. What the Lord is saying here is that he offers to take the heaviest end of the load of our life. I'll help you. We're stirred with sympathy, are we not, when we see a little child trying to lift a burden and those little arms and those little arms just too weak and the burden is and the, is too heavy for it to lift up. And we go there to the child and we give him our strength and help him live. The Lord's saying, I know how weak you are, but I'll strengthen you. I will strengthen you. And watch this. The strength that he promises is not something, but someone. I, I will strengthen thee, the very presence of God. David cried in Psalm 70 in verse 5, and he said, Thou art my help. He again said in Psalm 46 and verse 1 that God would come speedily to our rescue as he said. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in the trouble. And then finally, the other I will is the I will of support. Notice what he says. I will strengthen thee. I will help thee. I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Think of it. Think of it. To be upheld, to be supported by the hand that holds up the very world that he created. He said, I'll uphold you. Ah, let's know we're about sinking. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and present you faultless before his very presence. That's Jude's benediction. He'll keep us. In the ancient courts, in the ancient world, the pleader in a certain case stood always at the right side, never on the left, always on the right, whether he was pleading for or against the particular person. And that position simply spoke of authority. It spoke of power. It spoke of honor. And the Lord is saying, I'm going to honor you. 
with my right hand. I'm going to strengthen you. I'm going to give you the authority that's in me. I'm going to give you power. In other words, God is saying, I will support you with my omnipotence, with my all power, I'll support you. That's better than having the support of a government, a nation, or anybody else. So what I'm saying is this, folks, as we launch out of this new year, let's go hand in hand with God. Say goodbye to fear. If there have been failures in your life and you've confessed them, if there's been sin and you've committed them to the Lord, put them under the blood. The Lord put them under the blood. Why don't you leave them there? Just leave them. I mean, turn loose of them. God's forgiven. Go ahead. Don't try to live a year over. You'll never be able to do it. Water that's gone over the wheel will never grind any more corn. It's that other water that's coming. What happened last year is not going to get the job done. But look at what God can do for you this year. Someone wrote, Upon the threshold of the year as one that keeps appointment I wait. The unknown way I shall not fear. If close beside the opening gate one radiant form by faith I see and Christ my Lord will go with me. The sunshine shall be yet more bright with his dear presence by my side. No gloomy veils shall me affright nor any ill my soul betide if, whether joy or sorrow be through all the year, he leadeth me. So at the threshold of the year, I wait that I may hear him say, my presence shall be ever near and strength be given for thy day. And lo, though all the, through all the days, saith he, the Lord shall bear thee company. He said, I'm with you. I'll go with you. I'll never forsake you. So face this year with courage. Whatever you know God and his word has taught you to be and do, know that he's there to help you to do and to be. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Heavenly Father, we've endeavored this morning to encourage our people. And I pray through this precious truth of the Word of God that we'll realize that you indeed will care for us. Thank you that as the sheep of your pasture, you have it's your good pleasure to give us the kingdom, which means your pleasure is to give us all that we need and I thank you for it. Now, Lord Jesus, may we who know the blessing of thy grace and salvation in Jesus, may we who enjoy the knowledge of salvation, may we leave this place today to share that with somebody else. Lord, thank you again that you will take care of us, that you'll care for us in all of our needs. May, Father, we know the nearness of your presence. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I wonder, Carl, is the song God Will Take Care of You, is that in our book? I'd like for us to sing that as our closing hymn today. What I've tried to do today is just encourage you who are God's children. And I know practically everybody here, in fact, you claim to know Christ as your Savior, but maybe there's somebody here who doesn't know it. And I wouldn't want you to go into a new year without knowing him as, as your Savior. 
I would want you to start out into a new year that's uncharted, unknown. Oh, there are going to be some storms, and you're going to need his presence with you. If you have not trusted him, I pray you'll do it. And maybe there's some of you who are Christian people, you're saved. And the Lord's dealt with you about becoming a part of the fellowship of this church. Why don't you come today? Start the new year right. Being a part of a Bible-believing fellowship. Maybe you're a member of a church somewhere else of like faith. You want to come here. This is where God wants you. I ask you to do that. If you're a child of God, already saved, and yet you just want to commit anew your life to walk with the, in the presence of God, you do it today. What?